Hey everyone, my name's Tim Price. And I'm Al Sedano. And welcome to another episode of Make Ours Marvel. This is episode 174 of the podcast that would not die, even though its original creators might. Wait, what? Uh, nothing, don't worry about it, don't worry about it. Just uh, speculation. Uh, okay, alright, That that's fine. Uh, I, I really thought that we were doing this with... Uh, john and michael's blessing since they had to stop and um and and we, we really liked the well getting on track we really liked their original project of make ours marvel and you know we had the opportunity and we got uh their blessing to carry it forward into and, and can pick up where they left off and unfortunately they've both gone missing so you know they're not gonna be able to do it anyway again so i mean as far as we know as far as we know yes missing what when did this happen uh, it's, talk, it's a recent about? thing. It's it's online from places. What, what okay, places are you? What wait? What social media do you not use? Uh, uh gosh, that's like asking. No, I don't know. What what don't I use? A uh, hive. There we go. Oh, it was on hive. That's where I saw it. Yeah, it's been reported on hive. That's why you didn't know. That's it. That's it. Yes. Oh. Okay. All right. That that. That uh, sounds perfectly reasonable and not at all suspicious. Exactly. That's the whole yeah. point. Well, so, I guess... So this is to honor them. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, so with that, we're picking up with the issues that were published at the end of January 9th in 1968 and the first couple of issues from February 2nd, 1968. What issues so, do we have there, Al? We have The Amazing Spider-Man 59, Avengers number 50, X-Men 42, Captain America 101, and Iron Man number one. Man, that's a great lineup for us to start. I love it. Yeah, so so we get to skip all those uh, split books, too. Mm-hmm, right, right. So that means this will go even slower than it was for Mike and John, because there's more books to oh yeah and cover. captain marvel's coming out soon too it, uh, okay i'm not gonna focus on that not gonna focus on that the important thing is that you know we got a big issue of the avengers number 50 we got uh, iron man number one kicking off his series which is fantastic and you know captain america 101 i mean i'm obviously his solo series started off with number 100 yes but you gotta admit 101 has a lot of cachet Oh god, yeah, that, yeah, that's pretty impressive. Even though you know it's technically issue two, <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, well, you know, it's you know, one hundred. It maybe it's issue zero. So you know, there you go. Our, it's issue one. Yeah, yeah. You, they, they, you know, they wrapped up their previous things that that dealt with Wave Rider and and uh, uh, Extant, and then they can just get on to the regular series. <laughs> get right? on with the regular. That's, yeah, exactly. that's how it goes, right? That's how yeah. it goes with zero issues. Yeah, and that's yeah. how every zero issue is. Mm-hmm. If you see the Turtle Zero issue, it was weird seeing Wave Rider there. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get started with Amazing Spider-Man Fifty Nine, and like we said, I'm going to start. I'm going to start this time. So okay, this time yeah, I'll three of the books, and you'll get two. This sounds fair to me because okay. that's less work. So I like yeah, that. I'm sure. So Amazing Spider-Man Fifty Nine, the brand of the brainwasher, produced by Stan, the Man Lee, and Johnny Ringading Ramita. En Enchantment by Don Heck, Embellishment by Mickey DeMio, Lettering by Artie Simic, and Peter's Wardrobe, Forbush Fashion, Inc. Spidey is still wanted by the law thanks to the events of the last few issues, 
and go back and listen to Makers Marvel 167, 169, and 171 for the details. See, Stan isn't the only one who could do editor's notes. I am impressed. That is amazing. I know. I actually did research. But luckily, he actually just for one, refilled his web cartridges for once. So he's able to get away from the cops and make his way to the hospital. After borrowing the patient directory, he's able to find out where Aunt May is and pops into a room for a visit. Aunt May is very happy to see Peter because he had been listed as missing, which means he needs to go to the police station and let them know he knows exactly where he is. Of course, the Bugle published a story that he was kidnapped by Spider-Man, and next thing he knows, he's being questioned by half a dozen detectives, including Captain Stacy, Gwen's dad. Now, Captain Stacy, wittingly or unwittingly, we'll see, gives Peter the perfect cover story. He tells him that Spidey had claimed to have lost his memory, and Peter runs away with that story, saying how Doc Ock had convinced Spidey they were partners, and once his memory returned, Spidey let Peter go. See, claiming you have no memory is always a good way to get out of kidnapping crimes. Not that I, you know, just just in case you people know, it's a little unfact. fact. That, that's an odd observation to make. I, I think of odd things when I'm reading comics. It happens. Supervillain stuff all over. You, have, you wonder how it works. Oh, okay. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, why don't works. you carry on your synopsis? I, I, yeah. I'm trying, and otherwise I'll think about that too much. Yeah, you don't want to do that. That's a bad thing. You could go missing. So the questions all answered. What? what? I said questions all answered. Okay, okay, sure. Peter is allowed to leave, but not before he hears the detectives discuss how another batch of dangerous mobsters have been released on bail. But I'm sure that bit of foreshadowing will have no effect on the rest of this issue. Anyway, Captain Stacy walks Peter out and has him come to his home to see if he can answer questions about what kind of person Spidey is. And these questions make Peter wonder how much the captain actually knows about Spidey. Luckily for Peter, the questions are postponed by the arrival of Gwen, who is very happy to see Peter alive and safe. They head to the coffee bean to meet up with Harry Osborne and discuss MJ's new job at the Gloom Room A-Go-Go. And speaking of the Gloom Room A-Go-Go, I love saying that, we (laughs) see it's a front for the brainwasher. And the people there are using MJ to take pictures of high-profile clients and this camera has a special hypnobulb that makes them come back and subject themselves to super science brainwashing. That night, Peter, Gwen, and Harry are MJ's guests at the Gloom Room, as well as a bunch of city officials who were invited by management. After her dance set, MJ does the picture thing, and some of the hypnotized civil servants, including Captain Stacy, head backstage for the mind cleaning. Worry about her father? Uh, Peter offers Gwen to go to find the captain, and thanks to his spidey sense, it's actually Spider-Man who sneaks into a window and ends up fighting a bunch of armed goons. Finally making his way to the brainwash room, he sees Captain Stacy's the next victim. But before Spidey can rescue him, he is attacked by the brainwasher himself, the Kingpin. So that, it was a packed dun, issue. Dun. Stuff happened. I mean, there was a lot of stuff going on here. Oh, yeah. You're I mean, not the, kidding. The least of it is going... Okay, I guess go-go dancing is not what we would think of when someone says they dance at a go-go place now. <laughs> it's like if I had a friend who had to do that, it's not like I'd be inviting, say, my girlfriend, my girlfriend, let's go watch them dance. Yeah. Not, nothing uh, scary or skeevy about that at all. Not at all. Mm-mm. Not nope. one bit. 
But the funniest part is, even though I'm like, okay, so it looks like some kind of club thing where they have like someone dancing to probably, you know, get people up on, you know, people motivated. And it's like, right. I understand mm-hmm. the premise, but it's like, is this really the right type of place you want to run that where you're going to expect to get like these hot, powerful and high profile clients that you can subject to brainwashing? I mean, Captain Stacy did not look like the person who should be there. <laughs> Yeah, he's about uh, 50 years too old for this from his at least from how they draw him. I mean, he yeah. should not be he should not be too old being Gwen's dad. But on the other hand, they, it says they, he's retired. they code him as being like, I mean, oh, it's like they code him as being like 50 years older than Gwen. He's so, like Aunt May's age. Yeah. That, back before they de-aged her a little bit. They de-aged her a little bit in recent years. So. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I can think of that makes sense is maybe he didn't get married and like until like you know was so focused on the career didn't get married till later and his wife was a mm-hmm. bit younger. Yeah, you know he's yeah. like forty. He's certainly like possible. 50, he's like forty-five, fifty. And his wife's like thirty. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, certainly possible. You know, I didn't realize how old. Like I, I always knew it was Captain Stacy. And the few things I read, it was just Captain Stacy. But in this one, he says Captain Stacy retired. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh. You're retired from the beginning. Damn, I didn't know that. Yes, that's true. When when, when he first appeared, he he's kind of been saying that like every time he appears. Yes. <laughs> His name is Captain Stacy Retired. Yes. So how some people are like, you know, senior or junior or the third, he's retired. His par- his parents, you know, you know, like when people get the names that are going to set them up for life. Mm-hmm. His parents are like, yep, you're retired. Right. Like, why are you collecting a pension? Because I'm retired. But you're 20. I'm retired. <laughs> that, Sorry, it, retired. It, it, it says, says right, right here. There, it says right there a certificate. He's retired. What are we going to do? Oh, goodness. Well, you know, we haven't talked about the cover on this issue much. We need to do that a little. We, we haven't really mentioned it at all. Well, let's get back to that cover then. We got to do that. Because it's a pretty great cover, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. This is a classic but like Spidey's late sixties cover of, of a, was it? So Spidey is they're on stage and Spidey is behind the curtain, beating up two goons while on stage in front of like all crowd of people. MG is just dancing up a storm mm-hmm. and having the time of her life. Oh yeah. I mean, John Romita has got his John Romita looking thugs and Spidey knocks one of them with like an open hand. His fingers are apart and everything for walking this guy. It's like, I don't know how that works, really, but oh, I mean, Spidey lifts like 10 tons. So like if he actually punched these guys, he might kill them. So maybe well, it's okay, the best way true. he can do for normal people. Like, I'm just going to smack you because that'll still knock you out. OK, I yes, I I co-signed that statement. That makes perfect sense. It's like the Hulk flicks a good person with mm-hmm. a finger because they're normal. Right. He's like, oh, I yeah. don't want to kill you. Yep, you just get yep. the finger. Flick. <laughs> that Hulk finger is more the finger than anybody else wants. Exactly. I, but and yeah, the whole thing with the stage thing and the curtain is great because it splits the cover in two colors. You have the blue on one half and the yellow on the other half, and that really—I love how that pops. Yeah, that's no, so, it does look pretty that's cool. So nice because you get like it's so bright on the one side, and it's like mm-hmm. you can tell it's a lot darker on the other side. Right. And that's yeah. like the real, but that's like where the real stuff is happening. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. And obviously, you know, Ramita loves drawing. MJ because she just looks gorgeous uh, and her dress made of little mirrors. I don't, I guess that's what those are. I don't know, but they're like little mirrors and they're just, 
and there's a little bounce to them when she's uh, moving too. So they're not like flat, uh, flush to her. They're they're like a little bit moving away from her, uh, matching her dance. So and she's got her boots on, uh, leather boots. Ah, <sighs> yeah, yeah, yeah she, she looks, looks like, she looks awesome. It's um, it's like the it's the epitome of '60s fashion, '60s mm-hmm. mod type stuff. Oh yeah, absolutely. But you know, I'm just gonna make one quick note about the corner box Spider-Man. This is perhaps, sadly, one of the least interesting Spider-Man corner box images there is, where he's just standing there. I never really liked that one. I'm sorry. I'm probably, oh, yeah. I'm probably, I'm probably being, you know, gonna be, uh, you know, canceled and everything on the internet for it. But that it's just, I, I don't really like it. I prefer when he's, when he's got, when there's an action pose up there, like the crouch. Um, yeah. Or even on Peter Parker, the spectacular Spider-Man where he's like half masked. At least he's doing something. But okay, you know, yeah, I just standing, he's standing there, Spider-Man standing there. Mm, nah. Unless you're doing this for Spidey super stories, then it's okay. Yeah. Because that's the electric company and that's okay. But not, not for amazing Spider-Man. That's not, that's not amazing. No, no. And of course this was the only Spidey at the time, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think mm-hmm. Peter, yeah. Spider Spectacular wasn't start for like another four or five years. Yeah. It's going to be in the seventies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean the story, but off the cover, I mean the story, this like, this is a way like they, they, I mean, this thing just moves, but there's so much happening. Yes. I mean, you get learned this whole plot. There's like the whole, I mean, that whole thing with Peter talking to the cops, that's only like what page we go back to the, yeah, it's over by page five, but that's still a whole big thing. It's a, it's dense. They're, they're wrapping up the previous storyline, which took a while. The yeah, whole thing like with being three or four issues. Yeah, like amnesia and and partnering with Doc Ock. That took a while. So, you know, and, they're really cramming a lot to get this wrapped up so they can move on to the next thing. And we're uh, starting a long running subplot, which I don't think ever actually gets. Oh no, yeah, won't get resolved to like Spider. It's like another. Uh, I guess, I, uh, yeah, it's like 92 about what Captain Spacey actually knows about Peter and Spider-Man. Mm, yeah, right, right. Yeah, they're just I mean, starting to hint. They're just starting to hint the mystery of like, huh, is Captain Stacy putting things together? Hmm. Exactly. I, I like that part, but I like that. I really do like it because he's that just shows how smart he is and the relationship that he's building with with Peter in this regard and with Spider-Man too. So, yeah, I really dig it. Yeah, and looking back and now seeing these things, that it makes sense why everyone kept saying, "Oh, yeah, Peter probably would have married Gwen," because it makes sense not only the relationship with Gwen but with her family. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Well, uh, well, and quickly we had you know Peter visiting Aunt May and like yeah, she's been in this hospital for a while and he's been missing this whole time, so that's a big deal. Yeah, because it's um, not just, and she actually knows he was missing. Apparently, it's not like because mm-hmm. usually she has no clue what's going on. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm thinking of like, was it the the first annual of the Sinister Sticks Six when she's kidnapped by Doc Ock, and she has no clue she's kidnapped. She's like, yes, oh, that lovely right. man, he was so nice. Mm-hmm. But it's like, yeah. why didn't you? Well, but here it's like, she was in the hospital for a while, and it's like she's tried. She and other people have tried to reach him for him to come see her, and it's like, why haven't you been by to see me? You know, it's like, uh, yeah. he doesn't oh. really, and he and he doesn't really explain where he's been either. He doesn't really tell her. He doesn't say anything. No, in um, fact, he doesn't even. 
apparently he's just working on autopilot because like, oh, I should better go to the police. And he goes there. And he's like, oh, yeah, I don't have a story yet. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he probably was just so lost in his own thoughts. He's like, oh, crap, I, I really need to have a lie for this. Mm-hmm. Where um, was I? Because you have to lie, Peter. You always have to lie. In the name uh, of the greater good. The greater good. Good for what? I don't I don't know. That's what we tell ourselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's healthy. Oh yeah. Well, you know, sometimes, you know, you get arrested. Mm-hmm. You know, like if people find out who's Spider Man, I mean. <laughs> there is that. And you have to always admire uh Captain Stacy's pipe. That pipe is, you know, when he has it in his mouth, it is just riveted and I, nothing's going to move his, that pipe out. Oh, no, he actually just take it out once. Never mind. Yeah, he takes that one. He takes it out once or twice just for just because he can. But it's like, oh, no, he's got, you know, class 100 pipe skills. Oh, it is kind of funny. I'm looking at the page now where it was a page five where he's being questioned. It's like Captain Stacy's the only one smoking, like almost all the cops are smoking. It's like. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, that is so 60s. You're absolutely right. Yeah. <laughs> Cigarettes all around. Ashtrays uh, everywhere. Cigar. Yep, 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 yep. Oh, that's a riot. It just must be so. I mean, if you don't realize that now, you're younger, you might be reading these old, you know, go back and go, oh, we read old Spider Man. Like, well, why are they smoking in a police station? Wouldn't that be illegal? Right. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, oh, no, I true. think they gave that's it fine. to them when they finished up, you know, the, the uh, training. Like, here's your gun, here's your badge, and here's a pack of smokes. Now, before they had donuts, the handout, yes. Yeah. Mm, donuts. Now the hand, uh, donuts. I did get donuts this week for the family. We had, the, there was a discount box at the Martins, so I picked up some donuts there. Ooh, nice. Yeah. Maybe I'll get some donuts this weekend. There you go. Oh, a good time for donuts. And then, of course, let's not forget. And here's, here's the thing that, that's great about Spidey. All the stuff that you care about and matter for the most part is like Gwen, Captain Spacey, Aunt May. It's like, oh, yeah, there's the villain, too. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, but, you know, you have you also have to give props real quick for the fact that, you know, uh, John Romita's, you know, drawing Gwen right now. Oh, man. That's firing on all cylinders. Oh, oh yeah. man, this, no. this is, this is, this is, didn't refresh myself on the previous issues recently enough to remember, but this is peak Gwen. This is Gwen as, as, as it burned into my brain of, you know, how she is supposed to look. It, I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Headband and all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, and this is beautiful. I mean, if it wasn't for the fact of another issue, which we'll talk about a little later, this would be the best start of the of that we're talking about today. Oh, okay. Interesting. Looking forward to that. Yeah. But this is still right up there. But yeah, this is this is one of my favorite errors of Spider-Man, the Stanley Ramita error. Mm-hmm. Oh, nice. So I'm loving this stuff. But it's it's kind of fun. I mean, speaking of like when we talk about the cigarettes then now, it's like, what would MJ's job be now then? Like it wouldn't be the gloom room go go, because <laughs> Even if they weren't trying to make it like that, you know, like, is there anything mm-hmm. comparable now that would work for this? It is hard to think of anything that would work. I so just like, don't know. Kind of no. That doesn't exist anymore. No, it really doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't age. It doesn't at all. I'm not, I just don't know. And they should have been thinking about that when they wrote this story 
50 years ago. Yeah. Well, I'm fine with that. I mean, <laughs> for, for me, here's the thing. When they do like flat, you know, talk about like, you know, when you have to compress that history, it gets mm -hmm. too compressed anyway. I mean, all this stuff would happen mm -hmm. in like 20 minutes. Like the whole Peter being, you know, brainwashed could have been like over weeks. I mean, not brainwashed, sorry, uh, losing his memory could have been like over, in the actual story over weeks. Right. But at yeah. this point now, it was like two days. Yeah. Yep. So to me, when I'm like, but when I'm reading these books, as far as I'm concerned, it takes place when it took place. Mm-hmm. Right. That just yeah. makes more sense. And if, if you don't have to sit there and go and retroactively figure out, well, how does this work? Yeah, sure. Oh, goodness. Well, and what kind of name for a club is Gloom Room a go-go? The, the, the Gloom and Doom place to go have fun. Sure. Well, like I said, sure. it's not the best option for like the type of people they want to brainwash. I mean, yes, you might get them like the first few <laughs> nights because you make a special thing for them, but they're not going to, mm -hmm. you know, that's not the place that people are going to go on a regular basis. I think they spent like 95% of their time thinking of their brainwashing plan and 5% of the time figuring out the cover. That, that would track. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, wait, what? And like the name was like two seconds. Mm hmm. Right. Like, something that sounds like a rhymes. <laughs> Gloom room ago. Yeah, we go. That sounds good. Right. Because the kingpin does not really <laughs> give a damn about the name. Now let's and let's talk about the kingpin being here at all for a second. That was a pretty good reveal at the end. I was not expecting it to be the kingpin. Same here. My this first thought does... was maybe Doc Ock, but then I realized, oh no, mm. wait, they just finished the story of Doc Ock, so probably not. But this does make about as much sense as Count Nefaria being the master of dreams. Is that <laughs> the, 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 why are you calling yourself the brainwasher? And You're already a badass part. being the kingpin. Why do you need another alias? Oh, that's what? one thing I do love about comics sometimes, like when they don't want you to know who it is. So the person will go by that alias with mm -hmm. everybody. Right. Yeah. It's like, no, they know who you are. Mm -hmm. You they, you know, it's like, really, you want them to call you brainwasher, not kingpin. Mm -hmm. At least sir would have been made more, you know, would have been better. Yeah. So if they just called him sir, that would have worked. It is a laughably awful code name, the brainwasher. Yeah, but I think that's also probably why it, it makes me laugh. It makes me smile. And it goes I'm glad. I'm glad that it's. I'm glad that it's here. And obviously, <laughs> it's not somebody else who's only the brainwasher. That, that you know, after mm -hmm. this issue, it's there's no brainwasher, just kingpin. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, and a little bit of foreshadowing here when Spike, because one of the guys takes MJ hostage. Oh yeah, right. And when Spidey saves her, she asks him, says, "Don't you have any brothers?" <laughs> oh goodness now of yeah, course it's interested. it's it's retconned much later that mj already knows that peter sure. is spider-man yeah but there's there's no hint of that here which is which is exact as, as i expected it doesn't yeah. bother me one way or the other but it's just like just to say it it's like no nah, no nah, there's but there's no clue here to, that she knows to be fair also mj never breaks character anyway mm, mm -hmm. she stays in that mj character the whole time so whether she so you could still I mean, it's not like she's spending time agonizing over who this is or do I trust him or not? Mm -hmm. She's just MJ the whole way. So it still could work, at least as far as this issue, issue goes, it could still go either way. Mm -hmm. Well, if we're going to talk about MJ for another second, I want to go back to page 14 mm -hmm. and the top panel. I this just had to jump out at me. I mean, we have MJ. She's walking away with the camera. And, you know, Captain Stacy's like, I don't 
think so, dear. I need some fresh air. MJ's walking away. They deliberately put movement lines around her hips just from her walking. <laughs> I didn't they, notice that, but you're right. Yeah. They have the movement lines around for her dancing, which of course, like absolutely. It was great. And then, but just, just around her hips from just her walking. It's like, Oh, what are you guys telling us? What are you telling us about? MJ? Oh, we know why oh, Captain Stacy is really needs fresh air. Oh, he does. <laughs> I think he really does. Oh, <laughs> I just think, yeah. So that was crazy, right? That's pretty crazy. But, and yeah, speaking of the Kingpin, going back to the Kingpin, yeah, that is a great last mm-hmm. panel. I mean, not even last page, last panel reveal. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Especially since I'm reading this on Marvel Unlimited and I was doing the panel by panel. So I actually don't, it didn't get ruined for me by turning the page. Mm-hmm. I literally did not see it until that panel popped up. Mm-hmm. I, I like reading on my tablet and I don't really, I don't do the panel by panel just because I'm impatient. So I like having the whole page up and actually it really, I have a large enough tablet that it displays really pretty well. So I love that. So I don't mind, and I don't mind that I saw it at the bottom of the page, but I, I can totally, because I still didn't see it. You know, it was not revealed at all until the last page. So, you know, good job on that front. Yes. And next issue. Oh, bitter victory. (laughs) A title that I'm sure it will be used many, many times. Oh yes. Very true. But, you know, that was lots of great artwork, lots of great. And the fight scenes were all really pretty great. Um, and a and lot of four panel pages. I know that's what I was noticing. That's when you can tell with, when you're not doing panel by panel, you can see how, many, how they actually do the layout is a little bit better. And yeah. it's like a lot of four panels. So they're giving us a big shots of these things, which they've kind of gotten into, I think, with as in this era. For, and yeah. We'll see it in other in other books, too, that they'll do the four panel thing. So I, I dig it. Yeah, me too, though. This was good. Batman wouldn't help them. So now the team's on their own. Black Lightning, Geoforce, Halo, Katana, Looker, Metamorpho. People of power with a new purpose. They are the Outsiders. The Outcasters continues its coverage of the Outsiders. And Mike W. Barr's team for the 80s has big changes on the way. With a new home a new title, and coming soon, the Baxter series. You can find the show on Right On Network with your favorite podcatcher, or listen at thehunterspodcast.com, and follow us on Twitter at BatOutcasters. Because to live outside the law or on Twitter, you must be honest. All right, I guess let's move up. Ready to move on to Avengers? Yes, let's move on to the Avengers. All number right. 50. I guess this is me, right? Yep, that's you. Okay, here we go. So, Avengers number 50. Stan Lee has done it again. Done what? Why inspired Roy Thomas and John Buscema to co-create another comic dumb classic, Natch? What else? Title, To Tame a Titan. Hawkeye mm-hmm. argues with Goliath, who's mad at himself because he can't grow, and Wasp is all, stop fighting. They need more members. So they think... Who has a plot thread we can jump into and rem- and they remember, oh yeah, Hercules. So the team flies off and there's lots of thought balloons as they're flying around. Meanwhile, Herc is in the underworld and gets attacked by a monster called an Erinyes. I don't know how to pronounce that, but I'm going to say that's the closest thing. Uh, but he beats the monster, of course, and finds Zeus and his family. 
Zeus says, since you're part human, I can send you back. So that's pretty cool. Meanwhile, he we also see the bad guy in this whole thing, who is Typhon, the Titan. And Typhon uses the Promethean flame-powered axe that he has to blast a warship. And everybody on the warship, it's all, what's happening? We're sinking. Who attacked us? And Typhon thinks, this is amazing, until a magnetic arrow hits his axe. And, you know, hey, who'd be lame enough to shoot me with an arrow? And, you know, of course, it's Hawkeye, because Hawkeye thinks these things through. Oh, yeah. Hawkeye, Typhon pulls Hawk to him and is about to stomp him bad. But thankfully, Jan just stands around yelling, which is great. But And Hank goes, I'll use ants, which the ants dig a hole under typhoid and swallows him up. Uh, but not long enough because he charges after the team. So Goliath, you know, decides to go f- hold him off alone, but he still can't Goliathize himself. Uh, so he shrinks instead to avoid being hit. Then Herc shows up and is all, I'm a punch you Typhon and tie is all, well, I'm a punch you back. And there's good punching and ax zapping. And that buries Herc in a whole bunch of rubble. So that's no good. But now Hawkeye's awake again and shoots a smoke bomb arrow in Typhon's face, uh, giving Herc time to unbury himself. And there's more fighting and ending with Herc pile-driving Typhon, just like in the WWE. Uh, the Avengers are glad Herc won, and Hank thinks, we lost an Avenger. So the team flies off in their not Quinjet, and Herc drops the axe into some brazier. I, not a brazier, a brazier, a bra- brazier brazier yeah that works a, yeah a big old pot that you know burns things and it releases the promethean flame which frees the, all the olympians and zeus because he's such a mean guy banishes typhon to hades and herc being the winner can go with the gods to olympus so hooray but the uh, he's a little sad that he can't be an avenger anymore womp womp so now the avengers are home which is all three of hawkeye goliath and wasp and they realize, wait, we still didn't get another member. Oh, man. If only more original members would come back. Next issue, Thor, Iron Man, the calculating collector, and another big change in the life of Goliath. In other words, this is going to be a gasser. So be here, hallowed one. And yeah, all those <laughs> next issue stuff, that's actually in the book. I didn't make any of that up. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So that's issue number 50. All right. So first thing. Yes. That monster he fights. Right. Are you familiar? Do you, have you read the Sandman at all? Yes. The, the game in Sandman. Yes, I have. Yes. The kindly ones. That's what they're called. The Uranies, oh. whatever. That's the same thing as them. Oh, gotcha. Right, 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 right. That does ring a bell. Not I'm a loud, to, not a loud bell, but it does ring a bell. I'm going to assume Neil Gaiman probably did more research on what they are than was mm. done here and Stan did here. He probably just looked sure. up the name of some kind of Greek myth character and went, that's good enough for the monster. <laughs> no, oh, to be I, fair also, that's he fine. did not have the benefit of Wikipedia or anything. No, 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 definitely not. Well, and even Typhon himself is like, uh, other depictions show him as being like a real monstrous thing. I think I've seen one that had like um, octopus arms and stuff like that. It's like Instead, he's just a giant. He's yeah. the giant here. So he's it's like the big guy with a beard yeah. and long hair. Yeah. And a skirt. It's cranky. And a skirt. Because you got yes. to have a skirt. If you're if you're you know, if you're Greek or yes. Roman or whatever they're whatever whatever however he's 
uh, leaning this month. <laughs> you got to have a skirt, apparently. Whichever one he is. Yeah, Greek or Roman. I don't. I don't. I don't judge. You can be Greek or Roman. Roman or Greek. It's all good. So oh my this goodness. Is, but I gotta say though, this is a good era for Marvel art wise. I mean, we had John John mm-hmm. Romita on the art. Now we have John Buscema. Yeah, it's amazing. I this mean, is some fantastic. We can't we can't say anything bad about the artwork. That's for sure. These two that, issues. That first page looks awesome. Mm-hmm. Of them, of Hawkeye and Goliath screaming at each other. Oh yeah, because they're Avengers, so of course they're yelling at each other, and of course Hawkeye is the one yelling the loudest because Hawkeye. Oh yeah, they they've not stopped since, as far as I can tell, since issue 16, 17. <laughs> once the original five left, it's all just you know what you know. Right. Once they got rid of the Hulk, mm-hmm. the originals were like, oh, we're all cool, and then it's like the new people's like, nope, this is too calm. Yeah, we gotta we gotta take it up a notch. We gotta get now, some drama going on here. And even Jan looks pretty good, even though she's not really, it's not a great, you know, part of the scene. It's still, she looks good. So, oh, yeah. you know, yeah. Well, someone knows how to draw. Now on this cover too, we have also, it's, it's got on the front of it, to tame a Titan in the lower corner of the cover. And there's Typhon dominating the front of the scene with his ax and everything, wearing his blue and purple, trying to hit Hercules. And Hercules is kind of like leaning back like, whoa, limbo time. And, Hawkeye swinging in on a rope and how he's swinging with a rope that's sort of, sort of lightly dangling around his leg. doesn't make any sense, but I don't care. It looks awesome. It does. And yeah. also like, well, where is he dangling from? If this guy's like on a rock, like it looks like a mountain or something. It's like, well, what's above the mountain? He's dangling from the corner box. It's right oh, there. Yeah, the rope true. goes to the corner box. So it's just tied to the corner box. The rope goes to the Hawkeye face on the corner box, actually. Oh, so yeah, Hawkeye it, yeah. Swinging yeah, from Hawkeye. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and, and then the there's... Wasp has a different costume than she does inside. Right. She's got a green costume down low and inside she's wearing like a blue and orange gold number or bronze number. It's, like, it's not one of her better outfits. No, it's really not. It. The, I think the, and it's really I just call it the, the outfit design is kind of boring and the colors just don't work. I don't yeah. think they really work right. Uh, But real quick on the covers, the corner box, we have just headshots of Goliath, Wasp, Hercules, Hawkeye, Scarlet Witch, and Quicksilver. Um, So, and only four of them even appear in this issue, and only three of them will stay after this issue. So, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, and I will admit, I am very nostalgic for the headshot corner boxes. So, I like them, especially when they would change it. Mm Mm-hmm. Like when you would have right, them, right. I, I just reread some issues of X-Men from like around the Mutant Massacre. And like, mm. they were like, like Magneto goes away after an issue or two. And then like, you know, Kitty and Nightcrawler go away. Right. Yeah. You know, and in fact, like the, one of the issues I read was 213, which is when Psylocke joins. And like, she's the only one in the corner box in that issue. Cause it's mostly a Psylocke solo story. Right. Oh yeah. I remember that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I liked, I liked the corner boxes and they re- reflect what was going on. Mm-hmm. Even if like Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch don't appear, they're still part of the team right now, technically. Yes, they're they're still part of the series because, like, yeah. we just talked about that. You know, they couldn't stop Magneto. Well, that's because Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver went off with Magneto, so they're still part of the the storyline, and they'll they'll probably be back. They, I'm pretty sure they're back in a few issues. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember reading one of those. Do you remember when like Marvel would do like those monster issues? Where, like they would have like a reprint. It was like almost mm-hmm. like a flip book, and like they would reprint an older issue and have like a whole bunch of extra special things. 
Yep, I do. I'm remember pretty those. sure there was an issue yep. of Avengers that had like issue like 52 or 53 reprinted. Yes, and that was all about them with Magneto and going mm-hmm. back to the Avengers. Well, I think that I'm not to spoil, not to get too far ahead, but it's like they'll have a part where they come back with Magneto and they fought like the Avengers and the X-Men together, but they still are going off with Magneto afterwards. But then after then a little bit later after that, they'll come back to the team. So it's they kind of come and go. They'll be kind of come and go, but they're still like a presence. They're still oh, yeah, part they, of the series. they do that a lot. In my regular reading of yeah. Avengers, I'm up to like issue 34 and they've already skipped out for a little while. Mm hmm. Because they're they're losing their powers and they're not sure maybe we're not mutants. I'm like, oh wow, this thing goes back. You know that whole thing about them being mutants and that goes back way far. Yeah, it's crazy. They really they really sowed the seeds. It's all out there. You could do whatever story you want with them basically because they've had lots of different hints and different things and all and sometimes contradictory. But that's what lets you do more creative things later. So hey, but this is weird. It's like issue fifty of the Avengers because like. Most of the story is about like Hercules and the gods and stuff. It's like a real, it's almost like, I mean, it's almost works as like a whole her solo story where the Avengers mm-hmm. just kind of guest star. Right. I would agree. In fact, Which in terms of a uh, page time, it's like, I bet Hercules gets more page time than, than the Avengers. Yeah. Although I guess since it's, if it's his last issue for now, I guess that's why mm-hmm. let's give him some, you know, let's give him some time here. Right. Cause we're not going to yeah. have him again for a while. Probably. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I know Hercules' main time for being in the Avengers is more later on, like in the 200s. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. he's only going to have bits and pieces, you know, brief times with them here and there up until then. But despite that, like I said, the art is amazing. I mean, look at page 13, that first panel. I, Goliath has never looked better than he does in these issue, this issue. I'm trying to get there. Darn Marvel Unlimited, let's go. Why are you being so slow? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's a great pose for Goliath. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that looks so awesome. And also, I, I had fun with it. I was fun reading this because uh, Typhoon, of course, does the whole thing that gods do when like they attack people and then people dare to fight back. Mm-hmm. It's like how did, you know, he get, he's he's blasting that ship and he's fine. But then when they shoot back, he's like, the mortal vermin dare to defend themselves against Typhoon. Mm-hmm. How dare you not just hang out while I have fun trying to kill you? Now I'm really going to kill you. Now I start reading it as though they're whining. How dare you try to kill me? How dare you fight back? I'm, yeah, I'm trying to fight you. Yeah, it's like, That's look, terrible. Just know what you're doing. If you're trying to hurt, attack somebody, don't be pissed. You know, like, I don't get pissed off if I attack somebody and they try and fight back. I mean, usually <laughs> they don't know about it because that's what, you, that's what chloroform's for. But, you know. Why would you? Why did you bring up chloroform? Uh, just, just, just something that would probably work easier for Typhoon. I, what? The, that is a weird uh, looking. Uh, okay. Act, isn't it? Uh, uh, let let. Uh, no, I'm not. I don't want to unpack that. I don't know what you're. Uh, I don't know what you've been. What you're going getting into tonight, man. We're That's whatever. It's not power pack. Uh, okay, sure. Well, I, you know, yeah. So I hit it in the synopsis, like the craziness, like you know, here Hawkeye. Shoots a magnetic arrow at the axe to try to pull it away. Does that work? Of course not. That's crazy. No, he gets yanked down. <laughs> Look how big this guy is. He's going to pull you down. Come on. And then, uh, and it's like, so, and then, so, uh, Hank uses ants because ants are amazing. And can do um, anything. Sure. Including apparently dig a pit. Yeah. 
in mean, seconds. How many ants did he have to in call seconds. to big a pit that's big enough for a full growth this guy to fall in fully, at least to his head? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And that's a big guy. That's a big guy. I mean, I'm that's saying like, they're obeying, but they're much like, dude, we're ants. We're lifting like, you know, mm-hmm. uh, the things like a millimeter around. Give right. us time. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. give us a, give us a, give us like a day or two and yeah, we'll have a pit. And, and, you know, yes, you want a lot of ants, but you know, we walk at less than a mile an hour. You know that, right? So <laughs> however many ants you have that are right under his feet, that's basically only the only ants you're going to have. Yeah. <laughs> Even if all of us drop everything and help you out. Right. Exactly. Ah, it's just, yeah, it's funny. It's just funny. Yeah. You just gotta go like, with it. And then it's like, oh, no, oh, no, Typhon's coming after us. And Hank's like, that's all right. I'll stop him. And he runs up to him like, oh, no, I forgot. I can't grow big. <laughs> I swear this never happened to me before. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And Janet's uh-huh. like, uh-huh. So then he does the natural thing. He shrinks. It was cold. It was very cold. <laughs> <laughs> he was in the pool. No, we're not, let, let, no, 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 never mind. Never mind. Anyway, yeah, he shrinks and that's and that gets Typhon all kerfuffled because he's like, what happened here? What magic is this? Like, it is funny. I do like that bit of a magic. cliche when like you bring the gods back or whoever has not been on Earth like a thousand years and they're fighting superheroes and they're like, what the mm-hmm. hell is going on here with these mortals? Right. <laughs> that is kind of funny. I did admit that I, that I find that funny. Um, yeah. That just they're that they're just confusing him. <laughs> He's just like, like bewildered by all your modern models. ways. You don't do this. Wait you just you die. A, wait till you see a running toilet, man. That'll really oh. blow your mind. Well, I don't think he's going to see a toilet anytime soon. <laughs> I have a feeling the plumbing in Hades sucks. Uh, I think you're right. Well, and so Hercules comes and punchy punches. And that's all that, that good fight stuff. Good fight stuff happening. Um, yeah, but like I said, it's like it's a more of a Hercules story because we get a really long mm-hmm. epilogue to the whole Hercules thing. Like he brings the gods back, Typhoon yes. gets punished. There's a big party in Olympus. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, it, there's like a good five pages in a row where it's just Hercules and Typhon. Yeah, and it's four panel four panel layout. That's true. Yeah, I'm looking through yeah. it now. I'm skimming through the pages fully for this, and yeah. It's like yeah. three or four panels. Pretty amazing. Thoom! It knocks him. Pile drives him down. Thoom! I think, uh, I think the when the, the the ship shoots him back when he's attacking before they fire with a foom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Somebody Very has nice. a foom. Maybe it's not this issue. One of the issues has a big foom in it. Oh, nice! Which always makes me laugh when I see a big foom in a Marvel. <laughs> foom! Exactly. That's good stuff. And yeah, there's a big old party and there's a girl dancing because apparently they couldn't get MJ. So that's okay. Oh, she's already working. She's busy. She has a job at the gloom room. Yeah, the gloom room. Cuts too busy. Go, can't go. Go, to, go to your second job at Olympus. Yeah. Uh, they can't. They couldn't handle MJ and Olympus. We all know that. So <laughs> to be fair, is, Olympus actually works well as well, more at least modern day, for one of those types of clubs than gloom room does. Although I guess gloom room could work too. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Well, and, and so we have Hercules saying like, oh, now I can't be an Avenger anymore. Now I'm sad. Then the Avengers are like, man, we didn't get Hercules to join us after all. Now we're still only a three Avengers. 
Now we're sad. There you <laughs> That was the whole point. The whole point was to find Hercules so they could get another member. And now they don't have another member. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's still kind of funny. I mean, they the saved the day, I guess. It's still kind of, it's kind of funny now to think of a time when they, the Avengers didn't have like so many people they can just call up members, you know, call up like a whole bunch of people needed going, you want to rejoin right. the team? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Their team is still barely into the double digits. Yeah. Barely into double digits of terms who they can who they can call. But yeah, and Hawkeye's like, we can do it. We're Avengers. So yeah, but you know, maybe you stop yelling at people, Hawkeye, that could help a little bit. Well, that won't happen for a long time. Yeah, that's this is truth. <laughs> long, so, long time. So help me out. What did Jan do this issue? She was there. Yes. Let's see. <laughs> but... <laughs> she rests her head on Hank's shoulder as they fly. Yes. Okay. As he's piloting. So she does that. Um, she looks through. She looks at the bad guy and holds her hands by her head defensively. Yeah, she's worried about Hawkeye being attacked, even though she's really the only one with offensive powers besides him. And he's she unconscious. Did not, she never shrunk or grew wings. She, and I, I, they, I, they really, I'm. Yeah. This one, this one thing, I, this one thing that just I cannot get past and nitpicking in this issue. It's there's lots of great stuff in this issue, but they completely ignore Jan, and I'm, and it's like it's a, it's a shame. It's a shame because they could have made her. They she could have contributed. It could have been awesome, but they just didn't. Yeah. They didn't find a way for her to contribute. So it's like ah. Yeah, especially since there's only three of them, and only two of them have mm-hmm. powers, and one of them is at half power. If you're going with well, you know, Goliath can shrink and grow, and now he can only shrink. Right. I mean, most of what Goliath did was tell Hawkeye what to do, and Hawkeye's like, I'm already doing that. Yeah. So and Goliath does a lot of yelling and like you know posing for somebody who has right. no powers. But yeah, no, so, Jan doesn't do anything, which kind of sucks because like there was plenty of time for her to do, you know, at least like to save Hawkeye. You know, she could have like shrunk down, and started shooting him in the face. Her go-to move of distracting people by flying around their head yeah. is one of her great go-to moves. Or and... even just shoot, you know, she could shoot him with the wasp thing. You know, mm-hmm. do that at least. Yeah, I I forget exactly what level the wasp thing is at right now. It's I mean, I'm sure it's definitely it's still low, on the weaker side. It's definitely still on the still, weaker side. It's still it's, be it's, it's annoying level. Yeah, it's that. Yeah, yes, exactly. It's annoying level, uh, but she can't do it really much from a distance. She still has to get close to do it. So that's that's the only thing. Uh, but you know, it's a fun issue. Besides that, and it's a, it's actually a pretty notable as an anniversary issue. They haven't really done that much with making the anniversary issues seem like a big deal uh, until until the first until Amazing Spider-Man fifty and Fantastic Four fifty. I mean, they made those issues anniversaries. Yeah. Um, kind of, sort of. They're not like double sized or anything yet, though. They're no, they're not doing that yet. Regular, so everything's regular. still regular page count. Yeah, yeah. So it's a pretty, yeah, in terms of an anniversary, I thought it was, you know, making a, a, a significant story for Hercules and him leaving the team. It's like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I can see that for an anniversary. It's like, okay, we're having a spotlight on this character mostly because they're going away now. Mm-hmm. And so that's also right. like a big anniversary thing, like, remember joining or leaving. And, and also, it's really tease. weird to see. It's really weird to issue. see unshaven Hercules. <laughs> oh, you mean shaven Hercules? Shaven Hercules, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Bare-faced Hercules. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not used that to is, that. That's a, that's a, you know, unless he's wearing a leather jacket, then it's okay. Well, that I'm he's fine not, with. 
no leather jacket here, so that's kind of weird. Yeah. It's like, no, no, no. Don't have your jacket, buddy. No jacket, <laughs> no shaving. That's how it works. Exactly. All right. All right. Well, from one team, let's go, you know, what starts with an A, let's go to the other A alphabet with X-Men 42. Ooh. If I should die, Stan Lee proudly and with praiseworthy perspectivity, perspectivity presents yet another Roy Thomas Don Heck Marvel masterwork. Inked by George Tuska, letter by Sam Rosen. All right, so we got Angel and Iceman angry that not only do Marvel Girl and Professor X refuse to go help Cyclops and the Beast fight Grotesque, but they don't want Iceman and Angel to go back to help either. Meanwhile, Grotesque is winning his fight against those two X-Men, but he then gets a mental image of someone operating some earthquake device and splits. Monologuing to himself that he's angry that his underground race was all killed due to underground atomic testing and he was mutated. And now he wants revenge against the world! Back at the mansion, Beast and Cyclops have returned, and Psych wants to talk to Professor X, but Marvel Girl stops him under the Professor's orders. While the X-Men fight amongst themselves, Grotesque has made his way to the building that houses a machine that can create earthquakes, which I'm sure has many non-violent uses. (laughs) And he's going to use this to destroy the world. He attacks the operator, but sees that person is wearing a mask. And it's really Professor X, who Grotesque does not even know anyway. But if Professor X likes to play dress up, who are we really to judge? (laughs) The professor tries to stop Grotesque himself, but fails, so he calls in the X-Men. The X-Men show up and fight Grotesque, with the angel actually using his brains for a bit, and Marvel Girl and the professor try to use their mental powers to stop the machine, but shockingly fail. (laughs) Knocking the X-Men away, Grotesque stupidly attacks the professor and the machine, causing it to explode. The machine is destroyed. Yay! Grotesque is dead. Yay! But so is Professor X. And next, and now Magneto. Wow. All right, let's... Well, the best part of this is the cover. Right. (laughs) Which I like how it says... That's fair. The X-Men featuring the death of Professor X. Not a hoax, not a dream, not an imaginary tale. This is for real. Well, one one of... Two of those are true. (laughs) <laughs> yeah one of those is not true one of those is a one lie those. right right tell two truths and, a, and one lie yeah this, this is the game they're playing right here so this x-men i'm guessing maybe they forgot they had to do x-men oh <laughs> uh, well they've been setting up this story is like a continuation they've been doing this you know this at least carries over from the previous issue maybe even like two issues Oh, yeah, so, but, like, this, like, at least, I mean, because it was Roy Thomas that did Avengers, right? Right, yes. Yeah, I mm-hmm. mean, okay, the Wasp issue aside, you know, that part of the Wasp aside, mm-hmm. it was well plotted, it goes with the current story, it made sense. This, in the right. issue itself, you're like, wait, what, what's going on? There's, why is there an earthquake machine? Why is Professor X wearing a mask? He tells mm-hmm. Grotesque who he is after the events taken off, like, like, you don't know me, but I'm the person in charge of the X-Men. Well, if he doesn't know you, then why do you need a mask? Like, why do you have to disguise yourself from this person that doesn't know you? This is where I, if I'd been wanting to really work hard, I would have read the previous issue or two to catch up to see if there was anything here. Like, did we see this figure working on the machine in the previous issues? Um, you know, not not interacting with any other characters per, 
likely, but just like, oh, no, we showed the person who's working on this machine with some guy with a hair and a mustache. Well, we want it to be Professor X. We got to make sure it's a guy with a hair. Must- that's how we. That's how he has a hair and mustache because it's actually Professor X. It's like, yeah. What? But yeah, it just but, so much but, of this stuff makes no sense. Yeah, I'm. I'm not going to defend this this story. I mean, there's some fun stuff in it, but I'm not going to defend it. Um, yeah. And it, here's another thing about going it's, with it's my kind of wonky. Different. It's definitely I'm wonky. Going to different. Got it. Because I'm the Don. Here's the thing. So, like I said, in my regular reading of stuff, I'm reading earlier Avengers. I'm like on issue 34. Mm-hmm. I'm really liking Don Heck's work there. This looks mm-hmm. nothing like it. Either the mix of Don Heck and George Tuska is horrible, or mm-hmm. like Don Heck drew this over a weekend. Yeah, I'm. I have to agree with that. I have to think that's more the the George Tuska inking, perhaps that's being a problem. That's a little heavier, heavier handed here, uh, giving a lot too much too much shading. Yeah, too much thickness thing. to the to the ink here. Yeah, there it's um, it's. Like, it's either too fastly done or they're not a good mix. Yeah. I'm not a big Don Heck person. Even on his even on his stuff, I was like, yeah, okay. I, I get what people why why particular things people think are really great. But even I'm kinda like, mm, doesn't always win me over. Oh, I, I mean he's say. not the greatest of the artists at this time. Like he's not Ramita, he's not Busema, mm-hmm. he's not Kirby. Right. Yeah. But his Avengers work is at least pretty damn good. Mm-hmm. At least sure. the ones I was reading so far. And this is well below that. Right. I, I I have to say that's absolutely true. Well, and yeah, so we have this whole thing with Professor X comes in and it's like, Gene's like, oh, I didn't know you were here, Professor X. Like, what? No, Professor X told me not to let you in. Oh, Professor X now says we need to let you in. It's like, what is happening here? Yeah, and that whole thing makes no sense <laughs> The story sense goes back either. and forth with that so crazy. And it's like, I, which is all I I feel like if I'm really going to be honest with it, that the Marvel method kind of broke down a little here. I mean, the only way thing that saves a story, which obviously we're not going to completely spoil now, but as the later mm-hmm. retcom, is that maybe Professor X right now doesn't really know how to be a leader. Mm hmm. And that's yeah. why he's doing this. That's the only thing that makes sense is that with the rec- later retcon, which we'll get to eventually <laughs> in like 20 right. something issues, is that Professor X here doesn't know how to lead. And well, that you know, also yep. fits in more of the way Gene talks to him. I mean, it's supposed to be mm-hmm. that he has a disease and he's dying, but mm-hmm. it kind of fits in with the way Gene's talking to him. Like, it's actually funny. This retcon actually works a lot better. Like, it fits in with then more so than the uh, MJ retcon sometimes. True. Yeah, let's get the and the, the retcon definitely also um, explains kind of how Jean is waffling back and forth and, and what she's what she's been told and what she's and and what she's saying from panel to panel. It's like, is Professor X the same Professor X she thinks it is at any particular point? Anyway, uh, it's just crazy. I don't know how much I want to spoil the retcon, but you know. Yeah, but let's continue this, the trend from, of not from really a sixty-year-old comic book. Spoiling a sixty-year-old comic book's retcon. Um, oh, considering in fact, it's it's closer. It's not like it's like a you know X Uncanny three hundred retcon. You right. Know, yeah. It's an it's an issue sixty-five retcon. Professor X is actually not here the whole time, and a different person died. It's the yeah. changeling. The changeling was disguised right, sure. as Professor X, yeah. and and was imparted with some minor mental abilities to help work on that. And he basically is the one who, who dies in this, in this whole thing. 
So yeah. it's like, was Professor X himself actually in any of this issue, or is it all the changeling that's in this issue? Oh, it could have been even Professor X at the beginning, and he just disappeared partway through. But I think that that's not how the retcon worked. I think he was it was changeling all the way through. But it's like, even with knowing that, it's like just reading it from the story, it's confusing just as the reader. Yeah, and yeah. that's just, where I feel like the Marvel method kind of fell down. Is that they had some kind of idea what they went for, and Don Heck drew best what he could, but Roy really didn't know how to put these things together. He just, yeah. I don't, I think, I think that they just were working at cross purposes, and it's like Don did not set things up well himself. He needed a, a bit more structure to the story in advance in order for Roy to be to turn into something more cohesive in the dialogue. But Roy just tried to fill the back gaps as best he could. And so he tried. But it's like, now, it just doesn't work. It just yeah. is confusing. It goes back and forth. There's unnecessary reveals. Like you said, the, the mask that he's wearing, it just it's not not a great X-Men story. Not yeah. at all. I, my favorite part is that pa- is that what page seven, the last panel, is grotesque is throwing Professor X down. Must manage mm-hmm. to fall lightly so I can attack him with a mental boat. It's like, how do you f- fall lightly? Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how does that work? I must I must fall so I don't hurt myself. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's like you're not falling, you're being thrown. You're not combat trained. <laughs> that war balloon didn't need to be there. Instead, it's like, you know, just like uh, oh no! Uh, and then on the next page, like, oh, all right, so managed to keep managed to keep myself awake. Now I can strike back. It's like, you know, that's all you had to do. You had to do something like that so, instead of the the previous page. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> so I want to mention one or two good things at least, because okay, let's not bag on it completely. Although it's pretty easy. Like I said, <laughs> Angel, when they go back in this final battle against Grotesque, because he's an underground dweller, comes in with the, these, you know. Now, I don't know. If, I don't think they've ever appeared before. There are solar orbs, the, which the professor uses to store the sun's energy for his experiments. Okay, sure. Why not? But at least it's like, that's that's thinking and planning. We're finding a guy from underground. Mm-hmm. Let's bring something with bright lights. That yep, was I actually did, impressive. I did like that. The, the mm-hmm. angel doing something smart like that. Mm-hmm. And also grotesque motivation. Okay, I understand. Hey, my enti- you know, the entire population of your race has been killed by the surface. And mm-hmm. you have been mutated. I get it. You know what? That's a good motivation. Mm-hmm. I mean, and unfortunately, it works for Submariner. They could have done something with this character, but he kind of is just a one note, and then boom, dies, and that's it. And I mean, like, no, is this what underground race is he from too? Like, how many underground races do we have anyway? Oh, there's so many. <laughs> I know. <laughs> there's so many. That's where all the ants live. No, that's true. Yeah, and there's a lot of ants. <laughs> The ants, they, they use ants to carve out their homes. So it's like, oh. <laughs> I, I do like the panel. Was it uh, page 14? The last panel. He's gone. That is pretty well done. Now, yeah, that for everything else that's going on there, it's like they really did sell the the final moments there. Angel's face, even in the next last panel, it's just heartbreaking. Yeah. And the way they do the shading in that one, let me give it, you know, make it a little darker around everybody. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. that's pretty good. So I, I would dare say that the full panel, sorry, the full page splash page on page 15 also really, really great. Yeah, not bad either. I mean, so, but that's like the better parts of the issue. Like everything else is just not well done. Yeah. 
Uh, and these are all people who've done better stuff, so mm-hmm. it's just disappointing. Yeah, definitely. Ah, uh, well. Oh. Should we cover the the second story? Ah, they always did. So yeah. All right. So that was a shorter story. It's only fifteen pages because there is a backup. The origins of the uncanny X-Men. The end or the beginning? Stan Lee fondly features the far-out finale of a Roy Thomas Werner Roth four-part fantasy. Woo! Inked by Herb Trimp, lettered by Al Kurzak, it is the last part of the origin of Cyclops. So Jack Winters has subjected himself to a cyclotron and is now the living diamond, think a male version of Emma Frost, with only the professor and young Scott Summers to stop him. Like Emma in his diamond form, he is immune to mental powers, but Scott blasts the dude, and he and the professor make their way to another building in the nuclear complex. They use some sciencey stuff to mobilize the living diamond, but he resists too much and blows up. After telling Scott to not feel bad about killing the guy, and with nowhere else to go, Scott goes home with the older man, with no stranger danger sense whatsoever, and agrees to become his first X-Man. And next-ish, in the answer to about a zillion letters, the, C-crop, the secrets of Cyclops optic blasts. So, yeah, it's kind of funny with the whole thing of the whole point of the X-Men originally, wasn't it? So that Stan didn't have to think of origins for people. It's just, well, they're mutants. They're born with these powers. And <laughs> they spend like, what, 20-something issues doing backup stories featuring the origins of the X-Men. Exactly. Just just to get the back, like I said, backstory more than origins. As opposed to, like, how did they get their powers? Like, no, it's not about how they got their powers. Not, it's more not like, like how they joined special. the X-Men. Yeah, yeah, how the team was formed. So it's all, you know, which is an interesting thing. Because, it's like, yeah, they kind of, like, jumped right into it with here they all are. Here they all are with Professor X. And yeah. we have no idea how they came together or anything like that. So, yeah, you know, inter- it's, it's fine. Yeah, the most interesting thing fine. is I wonder if Morrison had read this. Like, was thinking about this because when he's in diamond form, the professor says, my mental balls, they can no longer penetrate his brain. He's been become immune to my psychic blasts. So I'm wondering, like, he, <laughs> mm-hmm. if this was, like, intentional when he when he gave Emma the uh, secondary mutation where she could turn diamond and telepathy doesn't work on her. I would I'd be willing to bet that it's exactly what he was doing. Yeah, I think you're right on. Yeah, that that's exactly what it is. But that's the most interesting thing about this. I mean, like uh, living diamond guy, whatever. They blow him up. Yeah. Scott joins the X-Men, gets a visor. We spend three panels of him going, okay, turn the bu- button this way, it goes up. Turn it this way, it goes down. All right. That is the um, flight attendant telling you how a seatbelt works. Yeah. That's the equivalent of it. It's like having an issue where like the Avengers take, take a flight or something. There's like three pages of like the flight attendant explaining, this is where the flotation devices are. The exits are here, 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 and here. <laughs> now here's the thing about this particular story which is also i'll just first of all qualify that i like the artwork actually here a little better than in oh, the yeah. main story yes i i really think it comes across really nicely and like that opening image of the living diamond on that page really pretty great but yeah, you no, know the artwork here is much better than the first story mm-hmm. if they hadn't had him introduce himself as the living diamond i would have thought is this Iceman? Because he looks like the frosty, ice-covered, shiny Iceman. He looks more like Iceman and, than Iceman does in the issue. And yes, exactly. And his name is Jack Winters. What, <laughs> I didn't catch that. That's right. What are you? Th- <laughs> I, I think they were. <laughs> that's 
that's strange. <laughs> it's just a strange how much that's like, this seems like an Iceman sort of thing. But no, he's living diamond. Okay, sure. Why not? All right. And he blows up because they do a science thing on him. He actually was uh, s- slowing himself down from having turned to diamond. It's that he, he was mobile at first, but his own power was making him freeze up. Yeah, maybe. I mean, the way Professor X does it, he really doesn't explain it. It's almost like he knows they're going to kill him. He's like, uh, yeah, we're doing it for his benefit, Scott. Don't worry. Oh, well, he would have died anyway. Don't worry. It is very, it is a lot of shade going on in here. Yes. Yeah. There's like, what are you doing, Professor X? What are you doing? Yeah. It's a little, it's a little weird. But it's a backup story, so, oh, well. Right. All right. And then we get our, get Scott wearing his classic uniform from the first issue. Yes. As opposed to the new costumes that they wear nowadays. So they're staying in the continuity there. And it's better looking than Angel's costume in the main issue story. Oh, my that God. Yellow, that, red, that, blue thing. Ugh. With the suspenders. Yeah. That, what? that come down in a V to his belt buckle. What are the suspenders and, holding up anyway? I don't know. His wings? They, I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I the the costumes of in this era are just not great. Yeah. I mean, Scott's really kind of looks like Scott's, and it's okay, but actually looks better when other artists get a hold of it. Well, it also um, gets better looking. It also is better because that visor when they change the visor around a bit, it looks better. It makes the whole mm-hmm, costume look right. better. Yes, very true. Gene's costume is kind of is always kind of like. Interest. It's weird to me, but it's also. But for it's, I still dig it. I still dig the the green with the skirt. I I don't. I I can't really explain why, but it's like okay. Oh, that I still like that. But you know the beast costume. Like what are you? What it's just just a big old red over the shoulders and down the front, and that doesn't make. It's just okay, fine, whatever. These beast costumes have never been good, with the exception of the blue furry. Right. There's really no. That's when it finally. Really no that's when it finally clicks. Costume. Yes. Yeah. Although I also did appreciate the, I can't get a costume to fit the, uh, the bagginess of the original look or it being a, he needs more movement. So it needs to be loose so he can move better. Yeah. As opposed to being tight. So I kind of appreciate the aesthetic of that, even though it still looks deliberately looks dumpy because it doesn't fit tightly. Yeah. Well, that's true. Yeah. I, that's right. I never realized, but yeah, it always, his costume always looked like in the early issues like that. Yeah. But the angels costume is like, Oh yeah, that, no, that's just a bad idea. You, the Warren's fashion sense needs some serious help. That's all I'm going to say on that. Yeah. For someone as wealthy as him, who's traveled in the circles he might've done beforehand. Yeah. He never mm-hmm. picked up on that. Now C- candy Southern has to help him with this dressing. Apparently he needs. Oh he needs God. Yes. Candy. To, candy needs to help him dress. That's for sure. Oh, I'm sure she does. <laughs> <laughs> now 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 that's not what i was saying <laughs> oh okay i was gonna say bad tim what <laughs> no 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 you belong you belong you belong you belong to the very marvel anyone hear us this is trey lawson and i'm james hickson anyone can hear this broadcast 
We need your help. We've been kidnapped and imprisoned in a tomb by this creepy old undertaker named Mr. Gravely. And he's forcing us to review his collection of Marvel horror comics. Stuff like Tomb of Dracula. Werewolf by Night. Man-Thing. Ghost Rider. And so much more. Forcing us to record these reviews as a podcast called The Tomb of Ideas. If you can hear this, please contact our families. Call the authorities. Anyone. Tell them we can be found at... Now, now, boys. Let's not give too much away. You can find James and Trey every other Wednesday at the Tomb of Ideas, a Marvel horror podcast, a proud member of the Cinepunks podcast group. See you there, Tomb Believers. <laughs> Well, are we ready to move on to the next issue? Oh, yes, I am. Okay, well, let's see. We have Captain America 101. And no, it's not an introductory college class about superheroes. It's the 101st issue of Captain America. And there have not been 101 issues of Captain America by this point. This is just remembering from Tales of Suspense. So, ah, whatever. <laughs> We're hitting they know. it. You all get it. Yeah, you're all, you're all smart people. You all know this. Okay. Let's get into this with our credits. Proudly produced by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby. Inking by Sid Shores. Lettering by Artie Semek. Title, When Wakes the Sleeper. Cap is Kirby punching two hoods and trying to reach a third guy that he recognizes as Werner von Grimm. Krim. Grimm? No, not Grimm. Krim. Krim. An escaped Nazi war criminal. Von Krim is ready to shoot through his own guards to hit Cap. But Nick Fury shows up and stops the fun. Krim's all, this clown attacked us for no reason. And Cap's all, no, you're a bad guy. And Fury's all, it's okay, Mr. Totally Legit Businessman. I'll handle this costumed clown. And so while Cap is mad being called a clown for the second time, Fury planted a homing device on Von Krim and loans Cap a car to follow. Meanwhile, secret evil stuff is happening near the Florida Keys, where uh, some henchmen have found the fourth sleeper of the Red Skull. And, you know, the skull himself is there after escaping from a nuclear explosion, you know, as he does. Now he can activate the sleeper, right, when Von Krim brings the key. But Cap is on his way in a flying saucer and until that gets shot out of the sky. Lucky he's wearing a bubble wrap suit and lands safely. Uh, when a brute squad attacks and sheer numbers, let them beat Cap. Now, in the secret chamber, Von Krim gives the skull his key, a sonic crystal. And that, that sounds really cool and super sciencey, a sonic crystal, yes, which responds to his brainwaves. So he just holds it and thinks as hard and evilly as he can. But the brute squad drags in Cap. And while the skull yells at everybody, the sleeper awakes so its name is all wrong. It should be the waker, not the sleeper, because it, it wakes. Anyway, uh, it rampages through the sanctuary, destroying stuff, but nobody can stop it because it lowers its density and weapons pass through it. Uh, the sleeper reaches the skull, who's trying the old, I'm your master, oh baby, because that never works. But it lets Cap knock out the brutes and grab the skull. But Scully is all, 
Nobody can stop it now. He'll soon erupt like a volcano and destroy the planet. So that's pretty bad. But Scully jumps down into an escape hatch and Cap follows while the sleeper starts face blasting everything and destroys the whole island, which is the perfect time for Skull and Cap to punch each other over the key. And Cap snags it and the shelter crumbles around them and the sea rushes in elsewhere because, you know, things are happening elsewhere. Construction people are testing some new concrete for buildings, saying those buildings will stand forever. And of course, Baroom, that gets they're gone. <laughs> Other catastrophes happen all over, and the military doesn't know what to do. But Shield is watching the sleeper with X-ray cameras, and they see it walking underground, but don't know where it's going. Suddenly, Agent Thirteen bursts in, yelling at Fury for sending Cap after the Red Skull when you know he promised to leave them alone to have their cuddle times, but he was the best man for the job. And now it looks like Captain America is, well, um, dead. Well, of course he isn't, because the last three panels show Cap swimming on the surface of the ocean, holding the sleeper's key and going, well, what do I do with this? Next, the sleeper strikes. So and now should we call it the striker? Already. Now should we call it the striker, not the sleeper? Striker. Anyway. Striker. 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 No sky striker. Got an island striker. Best damn pilot ever knew. Just had a drinking problem. <laughs> all right. So first all of all, right. on the cover, is it just yes. here? Is the sleeper with the different coloring here looks like Apocalypse? Oh. Because, I mean, inside he's colored more like, mm -hmm. what is he? He's like orange and, let me get back to that page. There's a lot of pages without the sleeper, just realized. Orange and like a, a, like a metal color. But on the cover, right. he's all like this grayish. And it looks a lot like Apocalypse, especially with that like thing around his face. I would say he's also somewhere between that and Dark Side. Yeah. Where he's got like, you know, more like a, a stone beard. That's it. He actually looks more like a Dark Side. You're right, actually. I was thinking mm -hmm. Marvel, but he actually he looks more like Dark Side than anything else. Well, I could see the Apocalypse uh, uh, look, too, just because of that, you know, gray on blue. Yeah. Gray on dark or navy blue. So, yeah. But it's it's a it's better to the coloring on the inside kind of give him some variety because otherwise it's just like it just does kind of from a coloring perspective, he's almost too close in color to Cap. So there's not as much contrast between him and Captain America. Yeah. By all the blue that both of them wear. Yeah. But at least inside there's a lot more because he's more orange. Now, the first few pages are fine. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're good. And they're amusing, too, when Cap's fighting this guy. And I love the fact when Fury shows up and tells the guy to go. And the guy does the whole off. We just say in Cornell and clips his heels together like he's still in the German yes. army. Yes, that's hilarious. It's like, <laughs> oh, you're such a dick. Ugh. But those first four pages are fine. But once you get to page five with that full page splash of the Red Skull overseeing the people, you know, like clearing off the mm. stuff on the sleepers thing. Holy crap, the art, like Kirby must have, I mean, I know Kirby's famous for like being able to do like three or four pages a day, but it almost mm -hmm. like, I would have, I'm looking at the rest of these pages going like, did Kirby spend an entire day on each page? Mm -hmm. I mean, it is amazing here. I mean, these fight scenes, like these pages where he's fighting, like page 10, he's caps beating these guys up and like the, the looks on these mm -hmm. faces, these are not generic guys like it almost like like every single one is completely different. Yes, I mean, mm -hmm. oh my god! I'm like, and especially, 
And I understand what you're saying about wanting to see the page layout, and I get that. But one thing I like about the panel to panel is that, like, especially if you're looking on a tablet, which I am, and like on a phone, mm-hmm. let's say, that artwork is huge. Sure. Because you know? oh, like, yeah. each panel is like takes up the whole or most of your screen. And these mm-hmm. Kirby panels just pop like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, they no, look I, amazing. I have to totally agree. I mean, the, the artwork here is just, uh, you know, um, John Romita and John Basama's artwork, you know, we're talking high, high marks for the artwork here. Kirby's artwork here in this, in this book, it's a completely different scale. You yeah. don't, you came in, you came in grade on the same scale. It's just, um, just mind blowing. I mean, yeah. I would even say that before page five, you know, when we get, look at page three and just the crowd scene at the top where, you know, there's, you know, the, the Verna and Nick Fury and Cap, but then there's this crowd of people in the front and they're all just colored the same, like grayish color, just kind of, you know, keep them mute to the background. But there's like a face of a guy there who's like, look at her. Like, hey, look, it's Captain America. And, yeah. and there's cops holding back. It's like, that's like, what are you doing? This is a fantastic detail on just these throwaway characters right here. This is great. It's the acting in the scene. You know, this is not, this is not an important scene, but he still put so much acting into it. It's like, what is going on? This is fantastic. But it's almost like those first four pages, he's staying at like the same level as everyone else. And like, once he gets to page five, he's like, yeah, nah, let's kick it up. Well, I still, I still dig the, the punching and the fightings. It's like, it's really great. It's really a, a great fight scene. Um, and also we have plenty of the fact that like, oh no, Cap can still be defeated by other people, by ordinary humans. He's yeah, still, he just it's not, stop. you know, Cap God. We're not, no. we don't have Cap God here. No, the thing, <laughs> no, the thing is, it's not that <laughs> Captain America can't be beaten. It's that Cap doesn't stop. Right. So yes, while somebody exactly. else might've stopped when there's like two guys on top of him, holding him down, punching him. Mm-hmm. He doesn't stop, right, which yeah. is like Cap on page two. He still does not stop. Mm-hmm. Like I said, he fights like a tiger. Can't keep him down. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. He just does that's and that's the Cap's power is that he will not stop. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, in that yeah, and then we get to page six, and like the Red Skull's face in every panel is different. It's like <gasps> oh, oh, I love how expressive. Oh, he's so he creepy. I mean, he's that so first creepy. Panel with like the lopsided, like lopsided eyebrows. Yeah. And then that yes. look of terror at, on panel four as he's running, trying to find a mm-hmm. way out, and that look of abject terror on that face. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. It's and the skull deliberately mugs to the camera on every single panel he can. He oh, knows yeah. somehow the skull knows where the camera is and is always mugging to it. Which I, actually fits his character extremely well. I mean, you could tell, like, it, it's famously known that, like, Busima did not care for doing the superhero stuff. He liked doing the Conan stuff. So right. everything, yes. when, it, when he does stuff and it still looks amazing, it's impressive. Because you know he wasn't putting his full effort into this, into it. Well, I, I would, though, say that Hercules might be a character maybe, that is a borderline, a crossover character, his, and that's why it works. Maybe that's why that issue had so much <sighs> of that. Yes. Mm-hmm. For, you know, to give, you know, because Busima wanted, he's like, can we do more Hercules here? Can I have more of this Hercules stuff? Hercules and the Greek gods is, might be close to what he wants to do in the Conan sort of vein. That's, I was kind of, I was kind of wondering about that, but I'm afraid, I'm afraid that if I ever met him and I'd be tempted to ask him and it's like, oh, I'd probably be opening a can of worms. I shouldn't ask that question. Yeah. But if like, he likes doing t- Hercules, I'd be asking, I'd be, I'd be getting in big trouble if I asked. 
No, I understand. But like you can tell Kirby is fully loving what he's doing here. Mm-hmm. I mean, he is his heart and soul is on every page here. Oh, yeah. Let's look at the Kirby crackle when Cap is flying through space. Um, the, you know, the airplane diving into the concealed airdrome, the gun shooting Cap's uh, flying saucer all the way out of the sky and then the invisible transparent airbag bubble wrap suit that cap can expand around himself to land safely it's like sure of course sure that's fine he he just wearing a a bubble wrap suit that's fine yeah why not tony designing designing something he played with as a kid wrapping himself in bubble Mm -hmm. wrap now, see, here's here's Stan doing a good job at the Marvel method because he knew this was coming up and he actually planted the thought about it coming a few pages ago. When Kirby says, yeah, when, I'm sorry, Kirby, when Fury tells Cap, make sure you're wearing that plastic inflato suit I gave you. Right. I think that that's one problem I had with how um, Roy was scripting X-Men is that it didn't feel like he necessarily had really put the whole thing together into he didn't really have a narrative figured out in advance he kind of was just doing it page by page and it's like no nah, stan actually was like okay i know what's coming up i got it all pl- i got it figured out here's what i'm gonna do but also look it is, it's a riot to, to see just like this <laughs> this bubble suit just appear around cap it's like what <laughs> it's got it's really wonky looking but it it, it saves the day and he lands and he lands and then gets out of there and then jump ahead, like page 19, the panels of all the destruction around the world. Oh, yeah. I mean, oh, my mm. God, that looks amazing. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's just it's a big this is a big budget film. Yeah. That and it's put not, into this page. It's not just the artwork. I mean, let's go with what the assumed thing is, is that Stan's giving, you know, Stan and Kurt giving Jack like a brief outline and Kirby is doing a lot of the plotting himself. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, which is kind of funny, like a lot of times you'll hear people say that, but then they'll blame Stan for the pacing of the book and like how it ends so fast. It's like, well, no, if you're saying Kirby's doing the plotting mm-hmm. and, pen- and penciling as he goes, then he's the one responsible for that. You know, right. pick and choose. Yeah, but yeah. But if exactly. that's him, that's more maybe earlier Marvel because maybe he's not used to, you know, but like he is, this plotting is perfect. Like the pacing of this issue works great. Mm-hmm. Cap and the Skull vanish on like page 18 because the water, you know, they're fighting in that thing and of course, this is impenetrable. The water can't get in. And oh no, the water got in. And then we see all that <laughs> stuff of like the damage around the world. They're agent 13. Yep. Cause does that mean she still doesn't have a name yet? Yes. Coming she in? does not have a name yet. Just agent 13. At least she has <laughs> a title. I'm pretty, yeah, I'm pretty sure she, she has not been given a name yet. I'm not positive, but I'm pretty sure she hasn't. Well, at least so, she has a title. Uh, so it's something. But, you know, she's some Fury, you know, and Fury's like, well, Cap was the best. He's like, what do you mean? He's like, well, if he, you know, if this is happening, must mean Cap is dead. Mm-hmm. And then you have that last three panels of Cap popping out of the water. Right. Mm-hmm. And like, you can almost hear him gulp for air. In that first, those three panels at the bottom. Where we see just like water and black smudges to indicate ripples. And you can just barely Make out Cap's mask with an A, but it's still yeah. all blue. That's beautiful. Yeah. No, this. Wow. Mm-hmm. I mean, I knew I was going to enjoy the Spidey a lot because it's that era. Mm-hmm. I did. I, right, you know, right. 
Avengers, I wasn't sure it could be a mixed bag at this point. It was good. I enjoyed it. X-Men, yeah, kind of what I figured. Yeah, confusing and weird. But this <laughs> one was a surprise to me because I really didn't know what to make of Cap at this point. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, this is awesome. Now, I, it's not free of Tim having nitpicks, but they're very small nitpicks, and they're not because of really the story. The storytelling is fantastic. The artwork is great. I really feel like the, they did a great job all together they pulled everything together and like these last three panels it's almost a callback to the ending of the last sleeper story because cap manages to get the big sleepers blown up and then he escapes into the air and lands in the water and stuff like so it kind of feels like that but it's not the end but this story hasn't ended yet we still got more to come so this is like, at least the end of part ooh. only, you know, the first half, if it's not more than, you know, it, unless it's more than two issues, but it's still at least only the first yeah. cliffhanger. Yeah, it's great. So, OK, so here's my here's my nitpicker is about the fourth sleeper. And about it controlling its density. So that things pass through it. OK, no matter how how lightly dense you are, solid objects don't just pass through you unless you're losing substance as well unless you're like unless you're walking jello and the things sloosh around and you sloosh around things you're not real it's not really the same thing as just passing through things the amount of density you go is like you still get stopped by a solid wall i mean air is very low density air can't pass through a wall it still gets stopped. It still has to go around. Well, I did. I did. This might this might nitpick. If I, you have you a know, problem with this, when you call you're... it something else, when you call it something else to, to explain how people pass through, you know, if you term immaterial or phasing, anything besides low density, I have no problem with it. But when you call it low density, it always bugs me. Well, I can't wait for another seven issues from now, months from now, when you we get to the first vision, and that is brought up a lot. Yes, yes I know. That's the thing. I love the vision. I can't stand that being how they describe his power working. Because <laughs> that's the first thing I think of when you talk uh, about a character who like controls their density. I'm like, oh, like the vision. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it is like the vision. And and it's the same problem. <laughs> uh, not to mention how that explains how that doesn't explain how the vision can fly. That's not that. I. Anyway, like I said, it's a nitpick. It's my own pet peeve. I freely admit it. <laughs> no, I get it though. And also calling the sleeper, and also calling the, him the sleeper because he's the sleeper. So he's no, he's the waker. He's not the what? What? That's just I. That, he's the sleeper. He'd be like just, just like pushing the skull away, going five more minutes. Mm-hmm. Five more minutes, skull, please. As everyone just kind of hangs out, goes now what? What do we do now? He won't get up. We threw water on him. We banged around yeah. symbols. I don't know. <laughs> Let Captain America try and fight we him. Start, Maybe that'll wake him up. We started the coffee maker. I don't know what, you know, they used to, have to I don't know. I don't know. Now, of course, also, it's fantastic that they have the one panel where it's like, here's a building of, of new concrete. This building's indestructible, and it gets destructed in the very next panel. Yeah. <laughs> Hilarious. <laughs> oh, back to the drawing board. <laughs> Oh, it's just so perfect. But yeah, oh, it's got a sign in front of it. It says, test site private. It says, test site private. It's a building. No, well, it's not a test site anymore. No. Oh, my goodness. 
But yeah, if there's any issue here that I'm excited to see the next one of, it's this. Oh, it's it's really it's really tops. Now I've read a lot of later comics with Captain America, which have this fourth sleeper in them from um, Mark Gruenwald's era. Oh, really? So, I did not know that. Yeah, he doesn't look quite as shall I say ape-like in the later take. They make him make more like just a a big robot, making much more just like a, a Hulk physique style robot whereas here i mean there's definitely a, a gorilla kind of feel to the appearance of this sleeper yeah. i'm not sure what that's i'm not sure if there's anything more to it than that just to make him look inhuman maybe that's the whole point because his arms are ridiculous long they like oh, reach yeah. the ground yeah he is very ape-like that's a very kirby design it, oh it is you can see so much of the new gods influence that come you know where they come from here that's what it reminds me. It reminds me of Ulik from Thor. Oh, Ulik the troll. Oh, the rock troll. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's what Beautiful. it kind of. That's another another uh, similarity. Not a not a direct. Not at all a direct riff. Not in the slightest. But just similarity. Yeah. Yeah. Well, same creator. So you know, makes sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. This is a great issue. Oh, yeah. I love this one so much. It is great. All right. Well, let's get on to our last one. We have a last one? We have one more issue to go. Oh, man. Well, which one is it? This one is a number one, actually. Iron Man number one. Oh, man. We're doing the number one last? We're doing the number one last? Man, we are not good at our jobs. This is new math. Actually, this does work out because, yes, the first three issues all came out on January 9th. These last two issues came out on February 2nd. So I knew what we were doing. Boom. At least someone did because I don't. <laughs> so Iron Man number one, alone against AIM, or what a way to start out in your own mag. Stan Lee <laughs> Foley brings forth another blazing bit of bullpen bravado by Archie Goodwin and Gene Colan. Inked by Johnny Craig, lettered by Artie Sinek. Out of the frying pan into the fire department. Iron Man barely escapes the Magia's death trap in time to save Jasper Sitwell from the whip from Whiplash, only to be suddenly hit by Aim's Vortex Suction Beam. So they give us a little recap. Iron Man has been pulled from a Magia gambling ship, which is now sinking, by Aim. They gas him and he drops, and they take him to Mordius, their new leader. Back on the Magia ship, Jasper Sitwell rescues a young brunette while Whiplash and some random guy, I'm guessing a member of the Magia, try to escape the sinking ship. Jasper calls for help and is pulled out of the ocean by Nick Fury, Gabe Jones, and Dum Dum Dugan, along with Jasper's new friend, who seems very interested in Jasper, much to everyone else's shock. And her name is Whitney Frost. Later in her own apartment, Whitney monologues to herself that she wanted to meet Stark, but Jasper will do, as he also has access to super weapons that she can use to assume her rightful place as the Big M, the head of the Magia. Oh yeah, that's right, Tony Stark his issue. So, Iron Man is brought to Mortius, who uses a 1960s version of his 3D printer to copy and make three other Iron Man suits. Iron Man then reveals that he was faking being unconscious, and because his armor has a refractory coating, it screwed up the scan, so the armor being used by AIM is faulty. Mortius thinks he's hot stuff this whole time, and uses a rocket cannon to take out Iron Man and three phonies. But only the phonies die, as Iron Man uses as cover to sneak away. He finds the AIM generators and rigs it so when they AIM turns on the reserve power, the generators are overloaded and explode with lots of people probably dying, 
But AIM is destroyed, and I'm sure this time it's forever. Next issue, The Demolisher. Well, that was a story. Mm-hmm. So this is a weird number one. Because <laughs> it's not really number one. Right. But it does move fast. You know mm-hmm. what I mean, like it's a fan, like it's a, this is like the quickest read of all of them. This one just kind of like goes boom, 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 boom. Yeah, this one does flow very smoothly. Although but, I did kind of catch, I, I did assume, and I was waiting the whole time when issue page three happens and Iron Man falls from the, the gas that he was not going to be actually knocked out. What I didn't know was about the whole refractory coding. So I'm sitting there going, okay, now is the time to wake up, Tony. Now is the time to wake up. Oh, that's why. Okay. So they did get right. me with that. Right, right. It is a thing that's pretty common trope of the, let me fake being unconscious to be taken by the bad guys to their lair. So that's that's a pretty common trope, even by now. Um, one of the things that always is a bothersome about it is that there's innocent civilians on this ship that's sinking at the same time. And are you going to do anything about that, Mr. Superhero? Well, I, I mean, I guess if he's been kidnapped and attacked, I guess he can't. Yeah. I, I, it just, it, that's one thing that just, that's one thing that's, that's a little troubling with there. It's like when you let like, Oh, I knew everybody would be fine. It's like, no, you didn't. You didn't yeah, know. You didn't go look. Actually, it's true. No he could idea. have fought back quicker because to get back to the ship. He doesn't try to get back to the ship. Looking at it again, you're right. And yeah. it also does look like that whiplash is going to drown. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Because I mean, we only get one panel with him. We don't see them escape. No. No. They give. They definitely make it look like that. He's gonna. He's gonna bite it. <laughs> yeah. Which is okay because he's a bad guy. But also, this is the kind of thing. Oh. We know from a story perspective, oh, bad guys are a dime a dozen. He's going to survive this and come back. He's going to red skull it and survive that nuclear explosion. No problem. But the introduction of Whitney Frost, that was interesting. I'm like, oh. Oh, yeah. They were like, there, there's something, there's a point to this whole bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they've been hinting that this was going to be who this was. Um, do you have much history with Whitney Frost? Uh, I've had bits and pieces with her. Mm-hmm. You know, okay. I remember her as mask. When she was like briefly hanging out the Avengers. Ah, okay, yeah. Oh yeah, I was crossing days. And I've read some other, plenty of later things with with her in it since then. But one of the first Iron Man solo stories I read is like in the one hundreds, um, and it's like it was a bizarre, it was almost a team book because it had Iron Man and the Guardsman and Jack of Hearts. And oh, wow. Jasper and Madame Mask, basically Whitney. And in that one issue, we got to the whole thing about there being like a love triangle between Whitney, Jasper, and Tony slash Iron Man. I forget which one of the two of him it was, but that was all going on at the same time. It probably was. I think she knew his identity even. Mm. Um, well, I guess we and see the, the seeds of that here. It, yeah, that was what really that's what really blew my mind about getting to this issue is that we started all the way at issue number one and wow, and the fact that Jasper is even like an ongoing concern in the series himself that long for a guy who's kind of sort of comic relief slash ally 
it, it's I was very surprised to see him becoming be established right here as such a long time part of the cast. That's amazing. And who knew he would be an agent of Hydra, actually? <laughs> oh, <laughs> right, wank. Yeah, but yeah, though, that, and that was good. And the art, Colin's art, with like this whole thing of the ship escaping and like jumping into mm-hmm. the water and being trapped in the water, it's pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. It looks yeah, pretty great. I, I really, really was enjoying the artwork here. Yeah. Colin does a great job of conveying that. The Iron Man armor, especially the the helmet, is a solid piece, but using angles to give it expression. He does a great yeah. job of, of it. It's like you can really believe that yes, Iron Man is leaning forward, and thus he and that's why his eyebrows look like they're towards each other and and serious. And now he looks like he's leaning backwards, and so it looks like his eyebrows are up. And his face is going like, oh, you know, in surprise. He, I, I find that his use of that very effective. I dig that a lot because yeah. the rest of his artwork is also just so fluid and so uh, dynamic. Um, his characters have interesting posture, you know, <laughs> they'll, have, they'll stand in interesting positions, but it's lots of lots of acting to it. You know, there's lots of yeah. drama to how his characters move. No, there is. Yeah, it's it's amazing stuff. It's really amazing stuff. Yeah. Now let's get to back to the story. So, Mortius. Um, yeah. He's an idiot, right? Oh uh, yeah, he's totally an idiot. How he thinks he could be running AIM. He's just a complete idiot. I mean, how many of your plans have to fail in a row before? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I do like at the end of people are like we should never have followed you. Right. <laughs> they like they realize like, oh god, this is the reason we lost is because you. First I must wear my helmet so that I can so that you won't know who I am. But now that I'm going to be your leader, I can take off my helmet and my former protection from anything catastrophe that might happen. But of course no catastrophe will happen because I am the leader. Oh, this catastrophe happened. Don't worry, I have a plan for this catastrophe. Oh, that oh, that backfired. Well, I have another plan. Oh, that backfired. I have another one. It's like eventually it's like, okay, shut up. Yeah. And you see this guy's face and you go like, that's not the reason we had you put on the helmet. We really just think we don't want to see your face. Yeah. For one thing, he's holding that Iron Man helmet. That helmet's like, his HUD's like twice the size. Yeah. He, he will <laughs> he never be the one to be wear those armors because he cannot fit in there. Mm-mm. No, no. I'm thinking of the Mad Thinker. If the Mad mm. Thinker, when like the X Factor happens and he fails, just kept trying anyway. It's like, no, dude, <laughs> stop, please. This is just getting sad. Oh gosh. No, this 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 guy was just aching to lose. I mean, he was just aching to lose. I mean, his plan's fine. His plan's fine, but he just completely misread the situation. To have the duplicating machine working and not realize that it's that it's doing a bad job. Eh, not that good, huh? Yeah, it's like he's just assuming, well, everything's going to work fine. Mm-hmm. It's that arrogance. Like, I built it, therefore it's good. Right. It does kind of put also the uh, conceit of having to fight your double or your duplicate on its head because yeah we have iron man he's got a face against three of himself but their weapons are all out of control so they actually can't fight 
and they take themselves out. They're shooting the wrong way. One's shooting up, and then they Mm -hmm. try and fly, and they're just kind of like bang right into the into the ceiling. It's pretty. It was pretty funny. Right. I was a little bit worried that they were gonna that when Morty starts saying, "You knew this would happen. You planned for it," and I was kind of worried a little bit that that was out how Tony was gonna be actually that they were actually gonna play it that way that Tony did plan it in advance. Like, not really. That's no. But more more like it was that I bought it more as a happenstance, a happy happenstance that I have a factory coating on this to, you know, make the armor more durable, durable. And so it just happened to help me protect from this, from this situation. So that's yeah. fine. You know, but I'll he didn't know that. exactly how well it would work. He knew it did, would, you know, their armor yeah. would not work as well, but like he says in there, they're mm-hmm. still as strong as him. And so we get a good of uh, iron on iron fighting going on, which is pretty great. And then there's the big cannon shooting which says Fatoom so it's close to Foom. It's yes. close. It's close enough. Fatoom. And then well he must be dead. Oh oh five minutes later. No he's not. <laughs> yep. Cause Tony because Iron Man ducks into a secret into an extra room to protect himself. It's like they forgot that there was a room back there. Really? Really? You guys are bad at your job. They are well, really yeah. bad. And the... that's why they get blown up by the end of this issue. Oh they all get blown up so good. I mean, Morty says does not believe him. They tell him the power level indicators hit the danger zone. You lie. It's impossible. That would mean clerical overload. I've done nothing to cause that. Nothing, nothing, nothing. And then Brakow. And the whole thing blows up to smithereens. <sighs> That's a guy who does not listen to QA. No. QA's there telling you, you this is not this is not right. Your calculations are off. We got bugs in here. It's like bugs? My systems never have bugs. Oh, crap. Where do all these bugs come from? <laughs> uh, like, even the last explosion, I'm looking at Iron Man flying and his head looking over at the explosions. Like, that's a beautiful pose. Yeah, but you know what? That last page I'm looking at now and the way he's just kind of like offhandedly flying away, like, all right, I'm good. Oh, good. Yeah. It exploded. It almost reminds me of like one of those uh, hostess ads. Oh, <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. I can see what you're talking about. Yeah, you know, like they got to just kind of wrap it up in one page. So it's like, all right, and it exploded. We're done. Right. Because mm-hmm. they yep. didn't have Twinkies. Exactly. And there's also a short backup story. The oh, origin yeah. of Iron Man. For a fabulous first issue featurette, Stan the Man rousingly reveals a revved up retelling of Artful Archie and Genial Gene. I was like, by Artful Archie and Genial Gene of the origin of Iron Man, with inking by Johnny Craig and lettering by Artie Simic. So basically, just a retelling of Tales of Suspense 39 without the uh, showing the actual fight at the end. It's only what three pages. Yes. Yeah. Tony Stark. You know, he's using his transistors to make you know magnets more powerful, which I don't know if is possible, but sure, let's go with it. That's that's how transistors do things. Transistors then, make magnets more powerful. Oh, That's okay. just science. Well, yeah. uh, if it's science, then okay. And then yeah, he trips. Absolutely. He's in Dom, and he falls to the tripwire, and Wong Chu kidnaps him. He's stuck with Professor Yinsen. They decide to make a suit, and Yinsen dies saving him, and then he uses the suit. You see him using the suit to go after the gorillas. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Brief three-page origin. But I think it's a nice touch for, for issue number one. That's actually yeah. a really good thing to do. No, it makes sense. You know, was, yeah, yeah. Not a bad way to get new readers in here, um, especially since this for number one issue 
it really was continuing stories that started in Tales of Suspense and then carried over into the Submariner Iron Man one-shot and then come into here, they're not really helping out the, the other reader, the reader who's trying, who's jumping on board here. So giving this three-page at the end, okay, now you've done it. You've redeemed it. Good job. Good job. Yeah. This was good. But this is a fun first issue. Yeah. Like I said, I mostly because totally the bad guy is so inept. Mm-hmm. That immediately well, amazing. yeah, the, the bad guy there is the least interesting part. It's kind of fun that we made some bad Iron Man armor so we could see uh, Tony Stark, you know, wailing on himself, basically. So that was fun visually seeing Jasper rescue Whitney. And, but first he has to go through um, his Mr. Magoo moment where he can't see her from the, with the glasses. Uh, but then then she gets the helps him find his glasses. And then it's like, oh, <laughs> yeah. And, you know, Gene Colan is doing a great job also on delivering Whitney Frost. It's like, my goodness. Yeah, he, he is. He is selling this woman. That's amazing. And so just laying the groundwork there of of this whole Jasper and Whitney subplot perhaps developing further. It's like, ah. Oh, I'm interested to see how it goes in the future. Yeah, we'll have, we'll have to see how it progresses. Well, it's time for us to cover our feedback. And this time we are talking about feedback from episode 171, supplemental number 10, where we covered all true crime comics number 37 with Paul Spataro. And that, of course, is our last episode of Resurrections and Adam Warlock and Thanos podcast, because this will now be a Make Ours Marvel podcast. Because if you could not trust a podcast that comes out on April 1st, with a co-host who definitely did not do anything at all to Michael Kaiser and John Wilson whatsoever, who can you trust? Exactly. Anyway, on Facebook, the post about that episode got likes and shares from Magazines and Monsters, Jesse Starcher, Joe Sedano, Gene Hendricks, and Bill Bear. On Twitter, it got likes and retweets from Capes and Lunatics Podcast Network, Alan Sharp, Chris Lydon, Viet Nguyen, Jason Snick Venable, and Into the Night. Now, if you want to hear more from me, you can find me pretty much every week on the L-E-G-I-O-N-P-O-D-Cast. You can find that on the Legion Substitute Podcasters feed, links in the show notes. And on that show, we talk about the late 80s, early 90s DC comic sci-fi series Legion. That's not Legion of Superheroes, but the acronym Legion with Reldox and Lobo. And actually, at this point, we are no longer talking about Legion. We are talking about the second follow-up series, Rebels. Not the first Rebels with the year in it, the second one from 2009. Also, you can find me on two other podcasts right now. Uh, on the Magazines of Monsters feed, look for the episode where, we, where Werewolf by Night number 10 and 11 is covered. You can find me and Billy talking some Bronze Age Marvel horror. Also, you can find me on the newest episode of Back to the Bins, episode 559 on the Two True Freaks Network. Where Paul Spataro, hey, there's that name again, and I talked about an issue of Sword of the Atom and Marvel Premiere featuring Ant-Man. All right. You have comments about Make Ours Marvel, because I'm sure you do. Send it to us. Resurrection. i got to change that email. But for now, resurrectionspodcast at yahoo.com. On Facebook, just type in Resur Adam Warlock or Thanos. It'll pop up there. On Tumblr, resurrectionsadamwarlock.tumblr.com. And on Twitter, at adamthanospod. I'm sure I'll be changing all those very soon, but I'll let you know by next episode. Finally, just remember, this show is still part of the collective. 
The collective was started by a few like-minded podcasters who wanted to network in the most traditional sense. It's become a repository for ideas, crossovers, and potential guest appearances, and you can hear a promo for one of the other collective shows right now. Are you a fan of comic books? Are you a fan of comic book villains? Well, join me, Russell, as we take a walk on the dark side with Tomes of Evil, the podcast dedicated to discussing, analyzing, and overall glorifying the villains of Marvel Comics, DC Comics, and all your favorite indie books. Tomes of Evil, a comic book villain podcast. But all right, I so I think we've covered everything and we went long enough, so that's our five yeah. issues. So what do we have coming up for homework for people for next time? Ah, yes, your homework. Okay, so for next time, we will continue in February 2nd with your reading of Sergeant Fury and the Holland Commandos, number 53, Strange Tales, 168, Submariner, number one. What? Thor, 151, and Captain Marvel, number one. Ooh. Yes. More number one. breakout character. The breakout character, the the breakout new character, Captain Marvel, getting his own series. So, yeah, we got a lot of a lot of ones. I'm sure he's gonna last for at least twenty years. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Wait, hold on. Just to... math. You know a little bit about Captain Marvel, so I feel like I'm at a disadvantage here. <laughs> Eighty-two. <laughs> Dang it! But all right, everyone. Hopefully, you'll be back with us next time for more Makar's Marvel. So, until John and Michael are able to crawl their way out of their living tomb. Wait, what? Uh, I, I mean, I'm sorry. I mean, so until Aunt May and Frank and Richards give Galactus a jumbo-sized Twinkie to eat instead of the Earth. That's what I meant. Makar's Marvel. Yes. Resurrections, an Adam Warlock and Thanos podcast, is a fan-made production, and no copyright infringement is intended, or happening, or even understood. The opening music for this podcast is Intro Pompeii by Lino Rise, and the closing music is Dark and Dramatic by DJ Puzzle. Both are licensed by the Creative Commons license. You can find Lino Rise at free-intro-music.com and DJ Puzzle at peacelovproductions.com. Links to both can be found on the Tumblr page.
I knew that smelled like chloroform. What? Where am I? Welcome to the Tomb of Ideas, a Marvel horror podcast. I am the tomb's proprietor, Headstone P. Gravely. And you are my new two captive hosts. After I kind of lost the old ones. They, they left this recording. Here, just, just press play. Hi, this is James. And this is Trey. Hi. I'm sorry, I guess. Yeah, see, we're, we're not there anymore. If you're listening to this, we left. Yeah. Because living in a tomb kind of sucks. Yeah. So I guess you're the mic to our Joel. Hi. Right. Good luck. We didn't leave any hamdingers, but there's a bucket of cocoa in the corner. Uh, Yeah. Bucket cocoa. You'd be amazed how well that stuff keeps. Right. One small problem, though. We, we didn't leave any of the comics. No, we took those with us because... You know, they're kind of cool. Yeah. Bravely's a jerk, but the comics are good. Yeah, and you never know, hard times hit, those things are going to eBay like that. Right, right. Uh, A bunch of that werewolf stuff I sent off to get graded right before that TV special came out. Yeah. Smart move, smart move. So, yeah, you're just um, locked in a tomb now. Again. Good luck with that. We're sorry, but, you know, not sorry. Better you than us. Yeah, not sorry. Not not that that sorry. Bye-bye. Bye. Oh, no, not this place again. Oh, at least I'm still wearing pants this time.